Okay, today's reading is John chapter 5. I hope that you have already read the chapter and thought about it for uh, a bit yourself. Um, But having done that, and if you haven't done that, go ahead and pause this and go read and think about the chapter for yourself and come back to the podcast. But if you have already read it, let's just think about two or three things we can see from it. And uh, not surprisingly, the first thing I'd like to point out is uh, has to do with the deity of Jesus. The deity of Jesus. And, and we see that in this sense, that what the Father does, Jesus does. What the Father, what God the Father does, Jesus also does. As this chapter opens, we find Jesus healing a man who had been an invalid for 38 years. We see that in verses 5 through 9. And it just so happened, however, that this happened on the Sabbath uh, that he healed him. This story, both what happened and when it happened, served the purpose in John's gospel, again, of highlighting not only Jesus' power, but his deity. We begin to get a glimpse of, of this when John specifically mentions that this man had been an invalid for 38 years. And with just one spoken word from Jesus, the man is healed verses 8 and 9, at once. That that in itself is evidence of no ordinary power, but of divine power. But that's not where the story ends. As the story proceeds, the man who had been healed took up his mat and walked just as Jesus had commanded. But as he went his way, the Jewish leaders faulted him for doing this on the Sabbath, verse 10. In the process, the man said that he was simply doing what the man who healed him told him to do. And he revealed that Jesus was the man who had healed him and commanded him to do this on the Sabbath. So they go and they question Jesus. And this is where it gets interesting because Jesus does not give them the answer one might expect. You might expect Jesus to tell them that they were totally misunderstanding the law, which they were, and that it wasn't really a violation of the law to carry your mat on the Sabbath. That's what you might expect Jesus to say since he answered precisely in this fashion uh, back in Matthew's gospel, for example, Matthew 15, 1-20. However, here Jesus instead responds in this way, verse 17. My father is working until now, and I am working. What does he mean by that? This is a roundabout way of claiming his own deity to them. He is saying that God is at work every day of the world, including the Sabbath. And the same thing that justifies God working on the Sabbath justifies him working on the Sabbath. The Jewish leaders understood precisely what he was saying, which is why John adds the explanatory comment in verse 18, this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. They weren't dumb. Their hearts were just hard. And just when you thought Jesus was finished, he continues on in verses 19 through 29 to claim further that whatever God the Father can do, he can do as well. Two statements in particular are most telling. In verse 19, Jesus claims that whatever the Son, whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. What kind of things would that include? Well, among many things, Jesus says here in verse 26 that it includes the ability to impart eternal life to those who believe. To what purpose? Boldly, he says in verse 23, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Holy cow. In fact, 
He says, whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. I mean, (laughs) he's saying a person cannot praise God generically. I mean, that is why a person can only come to God truly through Jesus Christ. Those who don't come to God through Jesus aren't coming to God at all. There is no generic God. There is only the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so you can't praise God generically. We honor God by honoring Jesus. This is a direct claim to the deity of Jesus, and it will certainly not be the last time in John's Gospel. Secondly, the servanthood of Jesus. On the heels of the breathtaking assertion of his deity, uh, of his equality with God the Father, John records another equally breathtaking statement from Jesus about his role as a servant to his Father. In verse 30, Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus said this kind of thing uh, regularly. You see similar statements in chapters 6, 7, and 8. It's already been established that this in this very chapter that Jesus is equal with God, verse 18. And now this same Jesus, equal with God Jesus, humbly proclaims that he doesn't do anything on his own, but only does his Father's will. He totally submitted himself as a servant to his Father, though he is in essence equal to him. So what does this teach us? Well, a lot. First, it teaches us uh, the costly grace we have received from the Lord when we receive the salvation he offers. It doesn't cost us anything, but it cost him everything. But also, practically, it teaches us that it is just as godlike to submit to rightful authority as it is to exercise rightful authority. We read elsewhere that Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. We saw that in Mark 20, 28 and Mark 10, 45. And here in John 5, we see how expansive the meaning of that was. Nothing did uh, Jesus do on his own apart from the from obedience to the will of his Father. When Peter commands us, therefore, to, in 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, he is not commanding us to do anything that God himself has not already done through Jesus Christ. Finally, let's think about a, a right and a wrong way to study the Bible. Near the end of this chapter, Jesus delivers a scathing indictment of the Jewish leaders. He, in verse 39, he tells them, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. And then again, later in verse 46, he tells them, If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. Just note this. There's a right and a wrong way to study the Bible. Jesus indicted the Jewish leaders because they were confident that their knowledge of the Bible and their perceived obedience to the law of God in the Bible was the basis of obtaining favor with God. Jesus tells them that no amount of Bible study can merit the favor of God. Don't study the Bible just for Bible study's sake. Jesus tells them that even when they are reading Moses, Jesus is the point of it. All the Bible, Jesus says in verse 39, bears witness about me. When you come to the Bible for yourself to study it, 
Look for Jesus in it. Ask of every text what it can teach you about, about God in Christ. You don't find eternal life in the Bible. You find it in Jesus. So don't read and study the Bible to try to earn favor with God by doing so. Read and study the Bible to know Jesus in whom you find the full and free favor of God by grace through faith, bought and paid for by his perfect life, death, and resurrection. Don't miss the forest for the trees. It's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. And those are some thoughts from John chapter 5.